So the Bible gives us the key on how to guarantee 100% you will have success. Isn't that what we all want? We want to be prosperous. We, we want to make a difference. We want what we're putting our hand to to be blessed. If you ladies are cooking a, a meal or guys cooking a meal, you want it to taste good afterwards, right? And be healthy, which is hard to do. Um, it's the first question I asked God when we get to heaven. Frying food is not good, but why did you make it taste so good if it's bad for you? And why aren't donuts like the perfect food? All the nutrients and minerals, vitamins in a donut. That's, that would have been a blessing. But, um, and then, uh, so God, God has given us his key. He made this thing, right? It's his earth. He made it. He made us. He made all the plants and all the various kinds of fruits and all the animals. He designed it. It's a piece of machinery like no machinery man could ever make. It just blows my mind to think that the moon is just the exact right distance to cause just enough tension gravitationally for all the oceans to stay where they're at. If the moon were just a little further away, the whole earth would be covered in two miles of water. If the moon was just a little bit closer, there'd be continual tidal waves covering the earth with water. But it's exactly where it's at and you can't move it very much. And we get these waves that keep the oceans clean and people will build houses in total faith just a few feet away from high tide because they know that this machinery is powerful, but yet so accurate. Isn't it true? And the greatest of all of God's creations is us. And so he, he says, I am not gonna just create to wander around in the dark trying to figure things out. Life is too short. I want you to know without experiencing it, but just know by God's direction, the way man was to live on this earth in success and prosperity. And we find that in Psalms chapter one, verses one through three. Blessed is the man. Oh, how happy, how strong, how prosperous is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. That's us in our human normal standard. If you just put things in neutral, you'll start walking with bad company that's corrupting you and whatever good morals you had will change. And then you go from walking to stopping and hanging out with them on the corner, around the burning trash can, on the places of the high school campus that only the tough, gangster, bad influence type people hang around. You're standing around with them, looking around the corner and doing stuff you shouldn't do. And then you're sitting. Now you're hanging out. You're comfortable. You're not just walking by or standing around. You're now sitting going, these are my people. Man, especially you young people. I, I say the best advice I got as a teenager is remember the verse, bad company does corrupt good morals. And the young Timothy, flee youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, hope, and love with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You want to try something, find something difficult? Try to find teenagers who are seeking God purely, wanting to love him and serve him. They're there. They're out there. Hard to find, but they're out there. Get with them, encourage them, and let them encourage you. But on the opposite side of the coin, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Literally, in the Hebrew, he makes it his delight. It's not something that's naturally happening. He's having to force it every day to say, shut up, body. Shut up, world. Shut up, devil. 
God's going to be first. And you're fighting, scratching, clawing that, that God is in your mind above all things. God is in your heart above all things. God is in your mouth above all things. We, we, we can't set back. We'll be conformed to the world. We've got to fight and be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now, the word law here is simply the name of the Bible at this time. For most of the history of the Jews that we read about in the Old Testament, all they had was the first five books of our Old Testament called the Torah, which is the Hebrew word law. That's just the name of it. That's saying Bible. So we call it now the Bible, which is the book. Somebody says, well, I can't find the word Bible in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. That's just what we call it. The book, the book above all books. But you'll find it called the word of God. I think that's pretty accurate. The God's word. What, what is this? What is the word of God that we have? It is God's DNA on this planet. It's God's fingerprint on this planet. The Bible is God's evidence of himself being with us. Now, when a person speaks, that is who they are. You can't say, oh, Joe, now he's a completely honest person, but he lies. Sometimes. Do you understand? If he's a completely honest person, his words have to also be completely honest. Oh, so-and-so is really smart, very intelligent, very wise, but they say a lot of stupid things you got to just sort of ignore. It just can't, they can't go together, right? If a person is really wise, you'll hear it in their words. So in the same way, back when I was in college, there was a missionary in the Philippines. And one of the Navy guys, in those days, the Navy had a port in the Philippines, said, you know what, this missionary guy, as he was there for a short time in the Philippines, you should write my sister. And so this missionary and this guy's sister started writing each other. They fell in love. He proposed to her in the mail. And when he came back after a couple years of this, he flew in and literally the next day he married her. Because if you know the words of that person, you know that person. This is why it says in John 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and what? The Word was God. God's incorporeal. He, he's not flesh and blood as us. He's spiritual. He can be everywhere at once. God is all-powerful, all-knowing. He's not like man that we can compare him. We are like God in that he's made us in his image. But in no way does that make us incorporeal beings. We're very much corporeal. We have a hard time thinking of anything outside of a corporeal sense. But God is spirit. He's not limited to time and space as we are. But although we don't see him, we can know him. Because he has written to us from heaven. And we, the bride, are reading his letters. And although we don't see him, we know him and we can love him. And so the Bible is, if you know the scriptures, you know God. You know his heart. You know his mind. You know what he likes. You know what he hates. You know what rejoices him. You know what brings him sorrow. We're not going to get to heaven and go, hi, Jesus, nice to meet you. Um... Tell me, what, what, do you, what, what are you interested in? What do you like? <laughs> what's, what's going on? No. We're, we're going to have known him from Genesis to Revelation. And hopefully we know it just not in our mind that we can say some verses. We learned it Catholic school as a kid. But hopefully these are scriptures we meditated. And they've went from our brain into our heart, into our very being. And now in him, through his word, we live and move and have our being. 
So God's word is the only thing on earth that is indestructible. Everything else is being destroyed. The process of aramoxicin is all around us. You look at a rusty pipe, aramoxicin, it's on fire. Everything is rotting away, falling apart. But God's word, it would be easier for all the heavens and the earth to be destroyed and pass away than for one jot or tittle, one period or comma or breath mark of God's word to not be known on this earth. And so we love to eat a nice juicy steak and assimilate it into our mouth. Oh, that taste and into our body and the proteins and the strength of that. And of course, the steroids, um, they help, they help us. That's why we're so huge. And uh, the word of God goes in to our heart, to our mouth, to our mind, and infiltrates our spirit man, our inner man. When we become believers in Christ, our spirit that was once dead becomes alive. And now that spirit is hungry and crying like a baby. And we're feeding that spirit man. And as we're feeding and feeding, it's growing into maturity and strength. And now we are more spirit than we are soulish. We are more spiritual than we are fleshly. And although our outer man is getting weaker and weaker and weaker, our spirit man is growing deeper and stronger because as we get older, we can't do a whole lot but sit around and pray. <laughs> and um, so blessed is the man, how happy, how prosperous, how successful, how joyful, how fulfilled will that man be who daily denies himself, beats his body, into submission, crucifies his flesh with his passions and desires, and makes God his delight. How do you do that? By his words, right? I have a great relationship with God. I've never heard him talk. I don't want to hear him talk. I don't want to hear anything he has to say. But man, we have a great relationship. Sort of impossible, isn't it? You stop talking to somebody, even if you were best friends. You don't talk to them. For 10, 20 years, you're no longer best friends, right? You may know them and you have a lot of ancient history together, but yet they don't know you now. So blessed is that man who's made God's word his delight. And notice what he does with this. In his law, in this word of God, he meditates day and night. Now, I've actually heard people quoting this. And instead of saying meditate, they actually say read. Did you know the Bible actually doesn't say anywhere in the Bible to read the Bible? Matter of fact, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says to the Pharisees, you study the scriptures. There, they weren't meditating on it. They were studying it. And in it is life, and you think it's going to give you life. But yet after studying all these years, not only do you not know God, but now that God is standing in front of you, you hate him. Wow. You know who else studies the scriptures? Satan, right? When he tried to dupe Jesus in that temptation in the desert, all Satan did is just pervert scripture one perverted scripture twisting it after the next after the next and jesus comes back with a different scripture with correct interpretation and causes a blow against satan and his manipulation so i'm so thankful we can read the word we don't have to wait for synagogue <laughs> you know, every Saturday to go and have them roll out the scrolls and read something. We try to remember it. You really don't learn the Bible really quick doing that. So I'm so glad we can read it. But, but understand, it's not, it's not ending the command. It's not reading it is not the same as meditating on it. Studying it is not the same as meditating on it. One thing I have to teach senior pastors 
is you need to spend time in the scripture you're not teaching on. And you need to, in your heart, say, whatever God gives me during that time with him in the word, I won't use in a sermon. Because so often pastors can study the scriptures and go, oh, that'll work great. Oh, I'll mention that Sunday. And, and then they walk away and, and it didn't fill their own hearts. So although they're studying the word and preaching the word, they themselves, the word of God is not infiltrating their spirit and their soul and changing them into God's image. And then they get very dry spiritually and, and they begin to teach much better than they're living <laughs> because they're weak in the spirit. It's like, no, there, there's a point in God's scripture that you're just meditating in it, saying, God, I want to seek you, and I want your, you to seek me. And I, I want to find you, and I want you to find me. And, and in that time, just to spend with you. I love that song of Solomon. I am my beloved, and he is mine. Seeking out my beloved where is he? And trying to find him. And once I find him, I grab him and I do not let him go. I love that, that beautiful picture there that we also are seeking God. See, this is the thing. You can come this morning and, and you can click the clock on Sunday, going to church Sunday morning. You click in and you clock out. And yet you were never really here. <laughs> you were here in body. But yet Jesus was here. Two or three gathered in his name. He's here. But yet somehow in the midst of going to church, you missed Jesus. And he missed you. We have to have that heart of coming to seek him. And we're worshiping to seek him in the songs. Seek him as we pray in the prayer. Seek him even now as, as we hear the word of God going, God, I don't want to just hear a sermon and then leave and forget everything I heard. Lord, I want to hear your sermon. I trust that you're speaking through your, the pastor today. Boy, I, I believe that. I believe that every church, whatever the denomination if people are coming to seek Jesus, they will find him. And he will have that word in season, that word for them today. Well, what will happen to that person who meditates? The word meditate literally is the word purr or groan or growl like a lion. Have you ever done that where you're hearing some truth and you're like, oh, mm, oh, oh, yes, Lord, that's that, Oh, thank you, Lord. That's healing. Oh, thank you, Lord. That's filling. Oh, thank you, Lord. That's strengthening. Oh, how true that truth is. And you feel it breaking down the demonic strongholds that Satan's trying to get in your life, breaking them down and bringing you back to a place of purity. So in his lie, he meditates day and night. That's pretty much all the time, right? I mean, day and night, it pretty much covers, there, there is no other day, huh? There's no other time. It's when it's raining, when it's sunny, when it's late, when it's early, when you're awake, even when you're sleeping. Isn't that cool? How God made our mind to keep working while we're sleeping? Often people solve problems they can't while they're awake because there's so many other things going on in their sleep They'll have this dream and they are trying to figure out relationships, attitudes. And, and this dream parallels what they're going through in their life. And they wake up and they're going, wow, that I solved the issue. I solved the problem in my sleep because I didn't have all these other thoughts. The dream was able to isolate this one situation and, and re resolve it. So even as we're praying and we're meditating, we're crying out to God and we're meditating on his word that even in our sleep, God can continue to minister to us and give to his beloved even in their sleep, as Psalms 121 says. Well, he goes on to say, that guy will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its, its season, 
whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Do you realize there's no other promise that says that? Whoever prays, he'll prosper. Whoever witnesses, he'll prosper in everything. Whoever, whatever the spiritual duty may be, he'll prosper. It doesn't say that. There's only one time God says, if you do this spiritual duty, which it is a duty, right? I mean, to go to a prayer meeting, you pretty much got to beat your body to get there. To come to church today, most of you had to fight some degree to get here. I've never been to church, even as a pastor, why I didn't have to fight. It's just like Satan knows. It's like Sunday morning, let's harass all the Christians as they're getting out of bed. Let's, let's get their plumbing messed up if we can or get the electrical to pop or get the kids angry or, you know, get some crazy guy on the road to make them all mad. And they turn around and go home. I mean, the, Satan, Satan's no dummy. He's, he's pretty much trying to keep Christians in their bed, keep them away from church. Pretty smart of him to do that. And then he's, he's here now. No doubt the demons are here now. It was nice and sunny, and those demons worked out those dark clouds to cover up the sun to make us all a little chilled out here. But whatever we do will prosper if this one duty. My wife asked me, so what's your goals for 2021? It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, 2021. There's just been one thing for me. It's just I want to seek God first. I want to come back to that first love. I want whatever lukewarmness is in me to be gone. I want it all stagnancy to be gone. I want being an old crusty Christian. I want all the crustiness gone. Like Naaman with leprosy, when he dipped the seventh time in the Jordan River, his skin didn't turn back as a guy his age. His skin went back to when he was a baby. (laughs) God not only healed him of his leprosy, he gave him like the perfect facelift. His whole body, his skin was like a baby. Wasn't that awesome? I love touching the baby's skin. So soft, right? Smelling their head. Oh, fresh, soft. Life. That's it. I just want to roll out of bed every day and just say, God, I give this day to you. And I want to do it 365 days in a row. That Hebrews, God, I believe you are. Hebrews eleven six, God, I believe you are. And a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. My heart is hard. My spirit is lukewarm. I don't desire you the way I should desire you. But I believe you are. And as long as I kick myself and prod myself and crucify my flesh with all its passions and desires, say, God, I'll stay on my knees. It may only be a second today, but I want you to be first today. And then to spend, even if it's 30 seconds, at least attempt to spend time meditating on some scripture. You say, well, Brian, that's, we were sort of hoping you would shoot higher being the pastor. Um, <laughs> that's just where I'm at. Trying to come back to that place of first love and seek God's first. And I know that be strong like a tree out in the desert, you can have an oasis. And what it is, is the trees and the plant life are tapped into an underground lake. This thing's deep and huge. And the water is cold and fresh from the snow runoff. And it's there even in the hottest days of the middle of the summer. You can have these cool oasis, these giant trees. They're tapped right into the source. This is us. If we are meditating on God's word, we're tapped into the source. It doesn't matter when we're in the middle of the desert or the battle or whatever's going on. And then a fruit in season. There's nothing better than picking an orange right off the tree and eating it, right? Or an apple right off the tree and eating it. You you can just sense the nutritions. It hasn't been sitting in some warehouse chilling for a year. (laughs) And then you get it going... Isn't there supposed to be flavor with this thing? But 
right off the tree. That's the kind of fruit we'll bear. Fresh, real. Our life is, is bearing fruit. And, and when people come around us, you see, you see they're, they're refreshed with fresh picked fruit. The fruit tree doesn't eat its own fruit. You think about it, the, the, the most selfless plant on earth is the fruit tree. It doesn't get to eat its own fruit. It's doing it for others. In the same way, we're bearing fruit, but it's for others. It's for God to be glorified, but it's to refresh others. To peel that orange back and the juices spurt and you begin to take a bite of that orange and they're all eating from our lives. Not old fruit, not fruit that's been hanging there for 20 years, sort of wrinkled up and you're going, ah, it's edible. I don't think it'll make me sick, but man, it just doesn't really hit the spot. Our fruit does because that's the kind of people we are. Fruit, fresh fruit, right off the vine, right off the tree in season. And then our leaf shall not wither. That's, that's in and of itself a prize, is it not? Not having shriveled up. But yet our youth is being renewed like the eagle day by day. And then whatever we do, will prosper. Whatever you put your hand to, earth stuff, spiritual stuff, family stuff, whatever area of your life, God's hand of blessing and prosperity will be upon you. And you really start realizing, I mean, especially these last few years, there's been so many celebrities that have killed themselves. The world loves them in their movies or their TV shows. They're wealthy. They're living in the, you know, the best house in Malibu, right next to a lot of famous people. They're loved by the masses. They're wealthy. They've got everything that their heart can desire, but yet they commit suicide. We, we really understand, right? Prosperity is when you have an intimate marriage, not two roommates living in the same house. Friends, family that you're intimate with. That's, that's really prosperity. Even a poor person who has just enough to eat, maybe they'd be a little hungry afterwards, but yet they have a home full of love and peace. Boy, that, that's the real prize, isn't it? Well, I think we often talk about prosperity and we as Westerners start thinking of dollar figures. I don't think he's talking of physical money because that's so temporary and it doesn't satisfy. Well, there's 10 things that I find in the Bible about the Bible <laughs> are the word of God, the blessings to a man that come from the word of God. First of all, Blessed is the man that understands the value of the word of God. YouTube and Facebook and all these guys, it's, they have a, for every one thing they have positive about God and his word, they'll have a billion things against it. Those are full of contradictions. You can make the Bible say whatever you want. Guys, completely untrue. But... The word of God, it says in Psalms 19, verse 7 through 11, the word of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Those supposed contradictions don't exist. People making whatever they want to say out of it, yeah, that, that can happen, but it's, it's not, it doesn't, it's not, they're not interpreting it properly in context. The law of the Lord is perfect. Notice what it does, converts the soul. Isn't that something you need almost every day? God, restore my soul, heal my soul, bring me back to that spiritual mindset you want me to have. The testimony of the Lord is true, making wise the simple. That's a nice way of saying the fools get wise. There's hope for me. God can make a fool a wise man. 
The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever, an honest respect for God and who he is. God's word can bring that to you. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether, more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Understatement, all that you do will prosper. Psalms 119 verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Psalms 119 Verse 162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Psalms 119, interesting, it's the center of our Bible. The actual center verse is in the middle of Psalms 118, but the middle chapter of the Bible is Psalms 119. And guess what's the longest chapter in the Bible? Psalms 119. Isn't that amazing how that works out? Secondly, blessed is the man who understands the perfection of God's word. In Psalms 12, the words, verse 6 and 7, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. You shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them from this generation forever. Psalms 18.30, as for God, his way is perfect, and the word of the Lord is proven. In other words, put under a fire, and all the other alloys taken out over and over again until it's 100% pure. He is a shield to all who trust in him. Psalms 19, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. We just read that a minute ago. Converting or restoring, reviving the soul. Thirdly, blessed is the man who understands the way we grow in our spiritual man is through the word of God. In Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through the Spirit in the inner man. How do we do that? Matthew 4.4, Jesus said, And he answered and said to them, it's written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, oh, it's interesting, that proceeds from the mouth of God. I, I understand there's some spices in the Bible, Leviticus and Maybe some of the minor prophets, Zechariah and Malachi, maybe, that are a little harder to understand without knowing the Bible and studying it. But yet all of it's there to mature us, to bring us to the full strength of an inner man. So bread, like we think we need food to energize our body, in the same way we need spiritual food for our spiritual man. John 17, 14 says, I've given them your word. Now in this is the Greek word logos, the written word. But then in verse 8, he says, John 17, 8, for I've given them your words. This time it's rhema. What's the difference? The logos is the written word and the written word, we may read it, we'll meditate on it. But as we meditate on it, God then gives to us from his spirit to our spirit, that word that is needed for this day, and not just for us, but for others. In Isaiah 50 is Jesus speaking about when one day in the future he would be in human flesh and what that would look like. God coming into human flesh, what would that look like? He tells us in a prophecy in Isaiah 50, verse 4 and 5, the Lord God, Jesus talking about the Father, has given me, Jesus, You'll see, I'll prove this in a minute, but just take it for my word right now. The Lord God, the, God the Father, has given me Jesus the Son, the tongue of the learned. In the Greek Septuagint, it's the word disciple. That I, sh- that I should know how to speak. A word in season to him who's weary. He has awakened me morning by morning. He's awakened my ear to hear as the learned. In the Greek Septuagint, again, the discipler. The Lord God has opened my ear. I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Look, in Isaiah 6, you can see now it's talking about his crucifixion. I gave my back to those who struck me, my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. So Jesus here, this is how it worked with his father. Again, they, the Bible was in scrolls. 
They, they had to go to the synagogue to actually read it. So it's what they had in their own hearts that they could think about. And, and, and there the father would speak to Jesus a passage that he had no doubt studied and read at some point in his life. God, the father brings it to remembrance. And as he meditates on that, we go, well, how did he know what to say to the woman at the well? How did we know what to say to the rich young ruler right here? Morning by morning, the father woke him up. He wasn't rebellious. He didn't turn his back. He, he didn't want to, he wanted to sleep a little longer, but he didn't. He got up and he wrestled over the passage of scripture the father was given to him and how it applies to his life to feed his own spirit and soul, but then also to spill upon others as his cup would overflow. This is the life God has for us in his word. The fourth thing is blessed is the man who understands, strengthens his life and his faith. Psalms 119, 28, my soul melts from heaviness, strengthen me, how? According to your word. Romans 10, 17, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How are we strengthened? How does our faith grow? Through that daily meditation in the Logos and then also the Rhema. Number five, blessed is the man who understands that all scriptures are given to him, to you, to me, to all of us as believers, to be complete and thoroughly equipped. God's given all of us the scriptures to meditate on them. And through that meditation, it goes from being a Logos word to a Rhema word. And it builds and grows and builds and grows and builds and grows until God has personally taken us through all Genesis to Revelation experientially in our life. Second Timothy 3, Paul talks about this in verse 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed. He breathed it. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness. So negative things, rebuking people, positive things, instructing us in righteousness. That the man of God, the woman of God, that's us individually, may be complete. Or that word is also translated perfect or mature. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. We lack nothing through God's word. It's, it's that manna. Man shall not live by bread alone, but daily coming out and getting the manna early in the morning. And having that manna to chew on through the day. In verse, in the sixth thing is, the blessed is the man who understands that the word gives us power to overcome sin. Psalms 119.9, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to God's word. Seems almost impossible sometimes we could win over sin. Often people just give up. I, I can't beat sin. I, I've tried and tried and tried. I just can't. It's, it's just going to take me down. No, you can if through God's word, daily seeking him and meditating on it, you can overcome it. Psalms 119, 11, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Ephesians 6, 17, the word of God is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we use that sword against Satan and his dominions. We work against, we have that sword against the world and its demonic mindset. And we have the sword of the spirit against our own flesh uh, to kill put to death our own flesh with all its passions and desires day by day. Number seven, blessed is the man who understands the word is the key to sanctification. In John 17, 17, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. Ephesians 5, 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her by the washing of the water. How? By the word. The word of God is to inspire us. It's to inform us. But there's a whole nother element God's word's doing. We don't even know about it. It's strengthening us to win over sin, but it's also washing us from this world and its gunk. And we don't even know it. God's washing away this stuff that's clinging to us and it's going to bring us down in a day or two. But it's washed away from us and we, it's not, it doesn't have the stronghold that it, it would have had had we not spent time with God in the word. Number seven, blessed is the man who understands the word is the key to sanctification. I'm doing that one. Now, John 15, three, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. So it's a culmination, day after day after day, putting two days together, putting 15 days together, putting hundreds of days together, putting thousands of days together, being in God's word. 
in Hebrews 10:14, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. For by one offering, Jesus has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. The work is done through Christ. Now, if we give ourselves to the word and to God yielding ourselves daily, the work of sanctification will happen faster and the more fruitful we'll be on this earth. One day, we're going to be out of this body and we're going to be 100% sanctified. We're going to be 100% righteous in spirit. And we're going to be 100% pure, sanctified in our brand new bodies in heaven. But right now, God wants us to have the reward and the joy and the fruitfulness of sanctifying ourselves, giving ourselves unto sanctification and letting him sanctify us. It's important, though, to understand we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. We are going to be victorious. To be absent from this body, present with the Lord, perfect and righteous, perfect sanctification. So we shouldn't be bummed about struggling with sin. We shouldn't be down on ourselves and depressed and wanting to give up and wanting to commit suicide because our sinful body is so depressing us. No. God knows our frame. He knows we're but dust. As a father pities his child, so the Lord pities us. He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. We have victory, but yet we have the joy of giving ourselves unto sanctification and let the joy of the Lord be our strength. Well, finishing up here, number eight, blessed is the man who understands the word um, of God and it gives him great power in prayer. People often say, I need to pray more. Oh, I need to pray longer. Oh, I, I don't pray like I should. Don't worry about that. Worry about this. John 15, 7. Abide in me and my words abide in you. And what will happen? You will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. You will pray more. You meditate in God's word, you'll pray. One does the other. Don't worry about praying. Worry about meditating the word. And the word will lead you into a greater prayer life. Number nine, blessed is the man who, is, who understands it helps us truthfully to see where we are and helps guide us to where we need to go. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, right where I, I'm, I can see myself accurately and where I'm at, and it's a light into my path where I need to get to. Number 10, drum roll please. Blessed is the man who understands that who... Whatever word or whenever we share the word, we always are going to have success. Isaiah 55, 11, I love this passage. So shall my word be that goes forth from where? Your mouth. From, that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish all I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent out to do. So God's word, you know, you, you, you're there in the 7-Eleven and prophesy according to your faith. Maybe your faith is, hey, Jesus loves you and that's all you have faith for. Well, that word's going to go forth and never return void. Or maybe you have a greater faith to say, hey, do you know how you can be certain that you have eternal life? No, how? And, and tell him John 3.16. I don't know what it is, but speak the word because you can't fail with speaking God's word. God is using you to speak forth that word. In 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 17, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. I wonder if Paul was meditating on Isaiah 55 when he said this. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge. Where? In every place. Familiar places, unfamiliar places, with your family and your neighborhood and in a place you've never been before that you're traveling. He goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 2, 15, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and amongst those who are perishing. To one were aroma of death leading to death, to another aroma of, of life leading to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. We're not 
like the Jehovah Witnesses trying to get you to join the Watchtower Society. We're not like the Mormons trying to make you a Mormon and, and, and to be a part of their organization. We're not out trying to get people to come to Calvary Chapel, Los Alamitos. We genuinely know that there's one God and there's one way to that God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. And our world doesn't know that. Oh, you're, you're in America, you know it. Not anymore, guys. The message has been muddled between the Catholic Church and all of their perversion, the mega church and all of their perversion, through all the stuff on TV and the health and wealth gospel, the, me the message is seriously muddled. And the world has brainwashed us with the thought, if I tell somebody about Jesus, I'm a nerd. I'm intrusive. I'm a Karen. You guys know what that is? If I tell people about Jesus, I'm a Karen. Here's a Karen sharing Jesus. I saw that on one of the social media things. It was people sharing the Lord, and, and, the, and, it, and it said, here's some Jesus freaks killing people with COVID. I guess they need to know Jesus since they're killing them with COVID. They're out preaching the gospel. These are guys, why were you there for them to preach to? <laughs> You're out there. Oh, but it's okay for them to be out in public, gathered in a group. Because they're BMLers, you know, they're, they're rioting. Of course, that's a righteous thing to do. It's okay if we give people COVID because it's for a righteous cause, BLM. But how unrighteous of a cause is it? Preaching Jesus, that's stupid to begin with. They're, they've brainwashed us with this. The opposite is true. A few weeks ago, when I went around to the few houses that I was able to go to, did not get that. Open the door, just, hey, Merry Christmas. Just want to tell you, Jesus loves you. They open those doors, and it's like, breathe, breathe on me. Give me more, give me more. People are hurting, guys. Went to a, a Jewish guy's house, and I'm like, yeah. He goes, I, I said, Merry Christmas. He goes, oh, I don't believe in that. And I said, what are you, Jewish? And I said, well, Happy Hanukkah. I said, do you know your Messiah's come? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Has anybody ever showed you through the scriptures why Jesus Christ is the Messiah? He goes, no. Uh, would you be interested in that? Sure, I'd listen to what you have to say. It wasn't what you think, guys. It's not what the media is telling you. The guy didn't say, Karen's at the door. Ah, get to the video camera. Let's make this guy look like an idiot on social media. That's not what was going on. And I'll tell you what, I, I wonder if some of those doors we knocked on and said, Merry Christmas, Jesus loves you. I wonder if we stopped a suicide. So many people have murdered themselves this year because they just got so low. Let me tell you about people who commit suicide. They give, always give God one more chance. God, if you don't want me to kill myself, have somebody knock at the door right now. Have somebody call me. Have some thing on the TV pop up and say, don't kill yourself. And a lot of people don't kill themselves because they get whatever supernatural thing they want to happen, happen. Guys, the world wants God. The world needs God. The world is willing to hear about God. The fields are white unto harvest. Yes, are you going to get rejected? Absolutely. Is it hurtful? Yes. Is it terrifying? The first few doors you knock on every single time. I do not know why. It's just demonic. It's spiritual. But once you get past telling people, even any word, it'll prosper. It won't return void. So I'd just like to conclude with these two final thoughts to encourage you in the application of these passages. Rejoice. You're not fighting from victory. You're fight, or not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. Christ is already, through his sacrifice, perfected forever. Us. Rejoice. Well, I'm so sinful. You're human. As soon as you're out of this human body, guess what? You won't be saying that anymore. You won't be up in heaven in your brand new body going, I'm so fleshly. 
You won't be up there in heaven with the Lord going, oh, I wish I could be more righteous. You're perfect and righteous. You're not going to be up in heaven going, oh, I want to seek God more. You're not going to be doing that. It's your body. It's just your flesh. Paul said to do things I want to do, I don't do the things I want to do, I do. I, I, oh, it's so, so, so frustrating. Hold on, hold on. There's no good thing that dwells in me. That's not true. For in me is God's spirit and the willingness is present. But how to perform that which I wish, ah, most of the time it seems like I'm striking out, at least lately. But thanks be to Christ Jesus our Lord. What's the answer? I just gave it to you. Thanks be through Christ Jesus our Lord. That was the answer. It's, Paul never answered it. Then, then in the very next chapter, Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. I want to say rejoice. From that place of rejoicing that Christ has saved us, our name's written in the book of life. We are going to be righteous. We are going to be entirely sanctified. And it's just a few more days. Hang in there, guys, and we're going to be with the Lord. We're going to either die of old age and be with the Lord or the rapture is coming. But rejoice and do not fear. Don't fear anything or anyone who can hurt your body. Only have respect for God alone who holds the keys to heaven and hell. We looked at that Isaiah 55 passage a minute ago. So shall the word of God in verse 11 that goes forth from your mouth that shall not return void, but it'll accomplish what it pleases and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. But the very next verse, I wanted to give this to you earlier, but it didn't really tie in. But some, for some reason in the conclusion it does. I have no idea why, but here it is. But you shall go out with joy, be led forth with peace. Ah, isn't that the, isn't that the second thing? I'm joyful, but I want peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth in singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. I'll tell you, when I was out going door-to-door -door witnessing, I felt that. I felt joy. Matthias and me were talking to some people here, and they were busy with their kids, but they were wanting to talk. And then we walked right around the corner, and there's two boys playing right over here, soccer. And, and you know, I, I know as a high school kid, you don't want to be interrupted from sports, right? But I was just watching Matthias, and he walked over and just says, hey, do you know how to have eternal life? And the guy's like, no. And he told his friend, stop. His friend stayed out there. And Matthias explained how had eternal life. And he goes, do you want to pray to receive Christ, to, to have eternal life? The guy's like, absolutely, absolutely. We read that thing through him, and it, it was it was. The, the trees were clapping their hands, just like it said. The mountains and the hills were breaking forth and singing. I was, I, I tell you, I've had four children and, and the joy of them coming into the world and holding those precious babies. But there is a greater joy, at least in my heart, to see somebody be born again into that eternal kingdom. In Isaiah 52, verse 6 and 7, Therefore my people shall know my name, they shall know in that day that I am he who speaks. Behold, it is I. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. We're familiar with that verse, aren't we? Out of Romans 10, where Paul's asking the question, how can they believe something they've never heard? And how will they hear it unless somebody speaks it? And how is somebody going to speak it if they're not sent? Have we been sent? Matthew 28 is pretty clear, isn't it? We've been sent. He doesn't need to send us again. Well, that was 2,000 years ago Jesus sent us. We need something a little fresher. Got anything from like 300 years ago? No, the Bible's canonized. He only needed to send us once, right? Guys, this is Jesus saying the day is going to come. It's here that we're going to be able to say, behold, it's I. There is a Messiah who has come, the chosen one, God himself in human flesh. We can proclaim what? Peace. Not stupidity, as the world's trying to get you to think. We're bringing good tidings. We're bringing the message of salvation. We're bringing the message, don't murder yourself. Don't murder your babies. Don't. 
continue in the life of drunkenness or drugs or brutality. Cease. God can reign in your heart. And not only that, but give you eternal life. I think of that story. If you guys read years ago, David Wilkerson in New York City. Do you guys remember that story? The cross and the switchblade. God told him to sell his television. <laughs> and every time he sat on the couch to want to watch it, he had spent that time in prayer. And God led him to downtown New York. He's from Pennsylvania, never been downtown New York. Ends up going to the street gang. That's another book, Nikki Cruz, Run Baby Run. And these guys were brutal. It was dark, dark, dark. And David Wilkerson, you could probably watch the movie on YouTube called The Cross and the Switchblade. But to bring the gospel to such a dark, dark gangsters, these young boys in the heart of New York, it was, it was amazing, just so rejoicing. Think about the darkness you were you in before you came to know Christ. I, I can remember at 15 years old being so angry and just sinking into a, a hole of anger when I got saved. And light came in the midst of darkness. Well, the final exhortation, application, is keep God's word in your mouth day and night, meditating on it always, so you prosper in all that you put your hand to do, in all your plans, in every area of your life. David got that Psalms 1 from an encouragement that God gave directly to Joshua after Moses had died. We'll read it and then we'll conclude. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Get an amen on that? Woo, thank you, Lord. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all that Moses, my servant, commanded you to do. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. There it is. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Notice how he's repeating these things over and over again that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, then you shall have good success. Have I not commanded you? Here he says it now for the umpteenth time. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Lord, we hear that rhema word to us today. Be strong and of good courage. To not be afraid, to not be dismayed, that you are with us and we will prosper in every way, wherever we go, whatever we put our hand to, that we will have fresh fruit coming from our lives. Whether it's earth stuff for men to see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven, or in spiritual things and relational things, Lord, we come before you now and ask that you would rule and reign in our hearts that we would see 2021, 365 days in a row of seeking you and putting you first, meditating in your word, even if it's one phrase, as little as it may be, your spirit can help us do much more of it, but that we would have allowed you to speak that rhema word to our own souls and for us to go out just like you did, Jesus, and speak to the weary in the day and give them that fresh word from heaven, that fresh manna that we ate of will give to them. Cause our cups to be overflowing that we just splash on everybody else. The joy, the peace, the faith, the light of Jesus in our lives. We come before you now, Lord, we're stuck. Many of us are just stuck. We've been stuck for months, some stuck for years, some stuck for decades. We're not progressing, we're not falling back, we're just stuck. And Lord, we don't want to bear 20-fold any longer, but 60 or maybe even 100-fold. 
We ask that your word would be in our hearts, meditate on it day and night. Give us grace, God. We are weak. We are so fleshly and human and weak. Even the simplest of thing, just in our mind, it's not running a mile, it's not marching uphill, it's not crawling, it's not having to do some difficult thing, just lay still and meditate. Even as small as that is, Lord, our flesh repulses that. Our world fights against that. How we feel, just even meditating, even for a moment, we find our weak flesh, Lord, needing strength from your spirit. It says in the Kings that when the Kings purposed their heart to seek the Lord, that God prospered them. Other Kings did not purpose in their heart. They did not seek the Lord and they fell back into the evil waves of their forefathers. Maybe here today, you just in your heart, just say, Lord, I purpose in my heart to claim these promises Brian's given us this morning. I purpose in my heart to do this one thing, to seek you first, meditating your word day and night. Lord, help me. I yield myself before you. And I pray for all the sheep here, Lord. Many are hearing this word from other states, other countries. Let this word go forth, Lord, and accomplish all it's sent out to do. And not to return void today, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen.